Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. As you know, I like to introduce my guests. I do a little bit of research, and I was quite amused by the little biog of our guest this evening, a reformed waterfall guy, which I'm not exactly sure what that is. He's the father of two and, a, and the husband to one wife, which I guess is a good thing. A trainee feminist. He's run 10,128 kilometers, if I work out the 240 marathons at 42.2 k's. A prodigious writer of blogs, compulsive marathon runner, and tonight's guest, Stuart Mann. Hello and welcome to the show. Have I kind of summed you up there? Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds about right, Lee. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, the reason we're talking to you this evening is, besides a couple of other things I'd like to chat to you about, is firstly, what made you? And secondly, how long did it take you to do this article on the cheating at the comrades? Took a while. I mean, kind of what made me was uh, I like doing the stats after comrades. So I've done them last the last few events. Obviously, we had a big break with, with COVID. So it's just interesting. There's so many runners. There's, there's so many great stats and interesting results, uh, particularly you know from the back or the middle of the field. Um, and kind of just going through the stats, a few anomalies uh, start, you know, some kind of dubious results or very unlikely uh, occurrences. Um, and, you know, once started started digging a bit more and, you know, uh, I guess, unfortunately, I uh, found a few a few more. So not a lot, uh, considering the size of the Conrad's field, but, you know, enough uh, sort of dubious results and anomalies, you know, kind of warranted a further investigation and, uh, and an article. Let's go through it. You call them defective humans. And you've got seven types of cheat. Shall we go through them one at a time? We'll start with the tag teaming. Explain to us the way they do that. Tag teaming is basically not running the full race yourself, running with the buddy. So basically, there was a famous case of uh, several years ago where actually one of the top 10 were with their uh, twins. And they dis- one disappeared into the bushes, other one popped out and uh, ran the rest of the race. Obviously, it's a lot easier to run uh, comrades as a relay, but that's not the idea. So yeah, occasionally you see that. The, w- the way you kind of find that is where you see someone who runs the second half of the race significantly faster. So there was one, and I looked at the photos uh, afterwards, and you could clearly see two different runners. So yeah, probably separated by about 30 years in age, wearing different running shoes and so on. Interesting enough, I went to go look at that qualifier and there were some pictures there that did exactly the same thing on that qualifier marathon. So yeah, obviously make make a habit of tag teaming or that, that particular person. Then the next one is taxi. Tell us about that one. So that one's, I guess, really self-explanatory. Um, yeah, the idea with comrades, obviously, is you use your own foot power uh, to get uh, across the 90 kilometers. That's hopping into a car you know, and driving a portion of the route. Yeah, and obviously those that you can you pick up by the, 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 you know, with the unrealistic times between two places, you know, between different timing mats. There's official ones and there's actually some unofficial ones as well. So you generally pick up people who do that, you know, by, by running unrealistic times between a, a, either a set timing mat or a series of timing mats. So just before we go on, because I think before we get our listeners a little bit confused, just explain how it actually works. I mean, I know you get to the either Maritzburg or Durban and you get a, a chip, am I right? That's on you, used to be in your shoe, it's still in your shoe, and then off you go and you get, as you cross different parts of the course, you are then logged as you have passed them. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, these days the chip is actually the first year that there's a chip in the running numbers. So you've got on your front and your back, you've got your chip. And they're, they're very reliable. So the, I mean, the, the analysis I did, one or two anomalies, but by and large, very, very reliable. So 
occasionally you get someone who does genuinely go through and they work on radio frequency who genuinely goes through and is not picked up, but it is very, very few and far between. So we're talking about sort of eight people out of out of sort of about 14,000 who might not be picked up at a specific timing point. And then number three is phantoms. So phantoms is where... Um, You've got one runner, but they're running with two chips. So essentially, someone can't run and they decide to run for them. So that gets a finish. Basically, obviously, totally illegal. Um, there have been quite a few in previous years with the, the chips on the shoes. I think it's easier to kind of hide that. Obviously, with big running numbers, it's harder to kind of, kind of hide it these days. But that's what a phantom is. So I guess the, what we're talking about there is you and I are buddies and I get flu the week before. I don't want to not run. I can't run. And I say, right. How do, I, do I give you my number or do I take the chip out of my number and give it to you? How do I do it? Yeah, so it's, it's in the past, it was actually taking the, the chip, the circular chip on the shoe and running. I know there was a case a few years ago where there was a father and a son. I think the father ran with the son's chip, if, if I remember correctly. And um, But there have been, I don't know what everyone's story is, why they do it. But essentially, yeah, someone gets sick or they can't run or they're injured. This year, actually, after the article, we or one of the people, we found some dubious times. It looks like what they did is that they pulled out of the race and actually gave their race number to someone else who crossed the finish line with their number. Um, so, yeah, that would be another example of, of, a, of, a, of a phantom. So most of them happened before the race, premeditated. This one seemed to happen uh, this year actually on the race. Now, bad seeds, I guess this is not just down to comrades. I guess this happens a lot. So comrades has got qualification systems. So you've got to run a marathon within a certain, with under, under four hours, 15 minutes. Um, and then depending on how fast you run the marathon, you get a different seating and the seating can be quite important, particularly, you know, it's a very large field. Um, so yeah, if you get a, let's just say an A or a B seating, really you cross the start line very, very shortly after the gun fires. Whereas if you run at the back of the pack, um, this year, I think it took about eight minutes or so for people at the back of the pack to cross the line. In, in some years, you know, sort of pre-COVID, where there was about 20,000 runners, it might take you about 15 minutes to cross that start line. So what, what bad seeds do is essentially they get someone else to run that qualifier for them or they submit a fake qualifier. I'm a slow marathon runner and I finish in, let's say, four hours, 45 minutes, and I either pay someone or get someone to run another marathon in just in three hours to get a much better seating. So it's basically cheating the, the, the seating system. I would think that the fifth one, bandits, must be pretty much the easiest one when you run in someone else's number. Yeah, so I mean, that's just, you know, someone who, you know, I, I, in a way, you know, sometimes you might say, okay, well, what is the actual, you know, what is the problem with that? Someone's paid for an entry, they can't run, they give their number to someone else. The big problem with a race like Comrades is they keep meticulous records, you know, of all the runners. And there's, you know, a big thing is getting a green number, which is, you know, your 10th uh, your successful finish. So it kind of messes around with, you know, with all of those kind of things, uh, you know, with those metrics and those yeah, records. So I guess the problem there. Of all of them, this is the one that you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, you start in Maritzburg, finish in Durban, do the race, and then somebody else gets the credit. Exactly. Yeah. Don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't do it. Put it that way. I've, I've done 10 comrades. They're all very, very hard, but very rewarding. And I definitely wouldn't want to add uh, another voyage onto someone else's count. I want them all to count for myself. We get to the sixth and the seventh one. And I mean, your sense of humor comes out in here. And I've read the article in it. A Richie McCoy. I think that's just fantastic. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, so that's obviously entering from the side. Yeah, uh, Richie McCoy. I know that one caused a bit of a uh, – I've got a lot of uh, 
uh, WhatsApp screenshots from friends and stuff like that was a big topic of conversation after the after the article. Um, yeah, so basically, yeah, entering, uh, yeah, obviously, Richie, Richie McCoy had a reputation from entering the yeah. side somewhat dubiously or, or outright illegally, depending on your frame of reference. And uh, yeah, that's a runner who, who might you know, join a comrade somewhere along the route and then claim a finish. So how does somebody like that actually get to the finish by virtue of the fact that, let's just say, for example, he or she jumps on the road at Drummond, for example, they've missed all the other checkpoints? Yeah, so it'll be picked up there as well. Um, so these days it's quite it's quite difficult to actually to to do that. You'd be picked up in other things. Um, in this case, I know there was someone who actually alerted me um, and they said, listen, I know someone who cheated. They started two Ks into, into the race. Um, because they saw in Strava. And, um, anyway, we went and had a look at it and I, I could check on the timing mats and everything like that. And, and this runner did actually cross the, the timing mat and so on. And, um, so it was, it was probably just a case of the runner started their watch. They forgot to start their watch until they were two Ks in. Um, and anyway, the, the person who did notify said, no, I'm, I'm very grateful about that because the, the, the runner concerned is actually a very good friends of my, friend of mine's wife. And I'm really happy I didn't accuse her of cheating now, you know, which probably would have ruined the, probably would have ruined the friendship. So the seventh and last one, suppositories, pushing from behind into places you don't belong. Walk us through that one. So I guess this is a nuisance factor one. So it's probably the least, uh, the least serious type of cheating. But, um, like I mentioned earlier, you get a seed and the seeding counts for quite a lot, you know, sort of how fast you can cross the line. So if I've got an H seeding, which is a slow seeding, it's going to take me a minimum. Let's just say, even if I'm very lucky and I'm right at the front of the, of the H batch, at least five minutes uh, last year would have taken to, to cross the line. That's what you would have expected to get through the traffic. So so what these suppositories do is essentially they either jump over over the fence or they push their way through um, to get to the front. And, and the problem with that is they slow all the other traffic down because obviously if you're an H-batch runner, you, you're not particularly fast. You know, like, you're like a truck on the highway hogging the, the, the fast lane. So all the other runners get stuck behind you. So you actually cause congestion in, in, in the field. Um, and yeah, you can, this one's actually in a way the easiest one to, to kind of track because you can see, um, you know, kind of did a heat map of based on seeding how many people crossed the, the timing mat in 30 seconds. So you, you see a few H batch runners who cross in the first 30 seconds, which is impossible if they started where they, where they should have started. So pretty much we're talking about somebody like who hypothetically last year ran the comrades in, let's just say six and a half. No. 10 hours, and this year he's run it or she's run it in six and a half or seven hours, would that create suspicion? Definitely. So so it's one of the things I'll look at. But it would create, I think, it's it's interest. So if someone is genuinely, and there are some people who genuinely do that, I mean, that is one of the things I did look at as well, is the is differences in time between um, the last up and the last down run um, to this year's, this year's run. So there are some people who had phenomenal improvements and they did seem to be the majority of them seemed to be genuine. You know, so there are some people who start out as recreational runners and, you know, end up getting a bit more serious, probably drop a bit of weight, get a coach, um, and so on and, and actually end up being really, really good. Um, I mean, funny enough, someone like, like Carolyn Wasman, who won, um, it was the first South African lady to win the comrades in many, many years. She started out that way as a recreational runner, uh, to, to kind of lose baby, baby fat after having kids and ended up becoming an, an elite runner. So you do sometimes see that. And I think that, that should really be applauded. I mean, those are the nice results to kind of see. Um, but, but sometimes you do see someone who's got a history of, you know, they've run 15 comrades. They always finish, let's just say, 
that their fastest ever time was 10 and a half hours. They always finished between 10 and a half and 12 hours. And, and suddenly they're running under nine hours. There's definitely a lot of suspicion around that. Tell, tell us about the, the heat map that you used and how that works. Um, so I used them for various things. Um, so, you know, one of them I mentioned earlier was around the, the, you know, the people, the, the batches and how, how long it took to, to cross. And so then you can kind of see where there's anomalies. So for example, you know, someone in H batch crosses in the first 30 seconds. There's one out of about, I don't know, roughly a thousand people in H batch. A complete anomaly likely to be impo- impossible. The other way where I looked, used uh, the heat maps was in people who missed timing maps to see whether it was genuine or not. And what you can then do is compare them to the rest of the field. Um, so in that case, you've got to calculate because they missed a timing mat, the average pace across two timing mats for people who were in the same batch. And then I looked at it for people who earned the same medal. So let's just say the average time was, I don't know, uh, an hour between two specific timing, timing mats. And for, for, for a C batch runner, and, and the C batch runner who missed that timing mat ran us in 40 minutes. That's, that's already going to cause suspicion. Um, you know, because they're running it a lot faster than runners of equivalent ability would be, would have been able to do. And they missed the timing mat, you know, and then you can go, you know, and then those kind of things would raise a bit of a red flag and I'll dig a bit deeper to see, okay, you know, what do the numbers look like? Do the numbers balance? Is this an, you know, a bit of an anomaly in the performance? Uh, which would then typically indicate cheating if they were way out of sync with the rest of the field. Do the runners know where these timing mats are? Because there might be a situation whereby I need to go and have a little toilet break in the bush and I come back onto the course and I miss the timing mat. Is that possible? It's very difficult because they're very well marked and they generally herd you in. So you got like, yeah, so normally if you've got a, uh, most of us, I, I don't know about you, but but for me, I, I'm pretty stationary when I pop into the bushes. So you'd pop yeah. in and pop out. It would be a, it would be very unlikely that you would, you would accidentally miss uh, the, the timing mats. Um, they are normally in reasonably similar places. And obviously that poses a bit of a problem because some runners then predict Okay, if you are going to be do some premeditated cheating and you know where they are, you you can you know stop off and, and do your timing there and get back into a car or something like that. So normally, what comrades does is they do have they do move move a few of them um, around and have a few additional ones there to make it much harder for people to know exactly where they are. So you know it would would pick up someone um, who kind of yeah plot, plots a plots a route around the around the mats. So when you've did all of this um ultimately at the end you came to a conclusion how many people were cheating or as you've uh, very cleverly um called them uh defective humans how many were there out of the and i'm rounding it off fifteen thousand runners about at the comrades 12 and a half 15 000 runners. So, so i'd say it's, it's about 10 definitive cheats on the on the more serious cheating you know sort of if you yeah like yeah, I'd say something like the qualification cheat. It's still, it's still cheating. It's very irritating for other runners when people do that, but it's probably a less serious offense. But people that actually cheated on race day and were not able to, to run, um, themselves. So, so, so deliberately cheated quite gregariously. Uh, it's about 10, 10 people. So, you know, in, in, if you take it in the greater scheme of things, um, with about 14,000 starters, it's an incredibly small, small percent. Um, but it's still so something. If- if I was a listener to this podcast, I'd be thinking to myself, Stuart, why? For 15,000 athletes to find 10. I mean, that's just ridiculous. 
How do you answer that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a question. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really answer. I don't. I, I, I can't understand the mentality. I'm, I'm hoping um, once the disciplinaries are finalised to actually make contact with the people to ask them. I might not. I'm, I'm expecting to get crickets. I'm not expecting to get a reply. But I will ask us why. Why would you cheat? So you know, what what is the what is the point? I mean, the only thing I can think of is if you've told everyone you're running the comrades and you arrive back at work or to your family or something like that, uh, maybe people feel ashamed that they weren't able to complete it. But you know, having said that, you know, normally, yeah, quite a quite a significant portion of the field doesn't. So there's no there's no shame in not in not doing it. And for me, the, the the shame of being found out and outed as a as a cheater would be, yeah, far far more uh, serious than than actually cheating on race day and claiming a finish. That, that I haven't actually earned. You know, I mean, I could think there could be nothing worse than wearing a medal of a race where I haven't actually run, you know, run the whole thing and completed it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Difficult to answer to get into those those people's heads, you know, particularly the people like who, you know, ran you know, as a tag team, two of them, or got into the car, got back. Uh, I, the one guy I actually looked at, I looked at his photos actually again uh, yesterday. I just reread my article just to uh, just to prep for this. Um, remember what I'd written, and um, he he he's he's been he's admitted guilt, so he's one of the people he's admitted guilt. Um, and he he basically ran to halfway to drum and got in a car and then crossed the finish line. And and actually in his race photos that I looked at, he actually looks sheepish. Like, I mean, in his eyes, I mean, I might be reading too much into it, but he actually looks like uh, I shouldn't really be here. I'm kind of, uh, you know, cheating myself. So, yeah, good question. Don't know why these people do it. It's kind of like looking over his shoulder all the way, wondering like how yeah, did he yeah. get there kind of thing. <laughs> who's behind him and who's checking? Uh, how, yeah. how would you say, I mean, obviously you've done the study with regards to the Comrades Marathon. Does this happen in other marathons, do you think, like? The two oceans and, and other ultra distance and and also just uh, you know simple uh, for what well, I call them simple. I mean they're difficult enough to do, but uh, your normal forty two point twos. Um, do you think it happens as much in those? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely happens. I mean, there's a, there's a site, uh, American site called Marath- Marathon Investigations, who kind of go and actually they report and that kind of stuff. So so it definitely happens. They the big deal in America is people pay someone else to run a Boston qualifier because for them, Boston is kind of like their comrades. That's a big prestigious yeah. event at a certain time to qualify for, for it. Um, yeah. So the, it does, it does happen. Um, but yeah. And I'm sure it happens at two oceans as well. Um, I haven't, I haven't gone and checked, checked two oceans. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the, the real prestige in South African running is always, you know, the comrades medal. Um, you know, so that's probably where, where it, it probably is most, most prolific. What will happen to, I know you haven't yet named and shamed these athletes, but what would happen to them? I guess this is as much of an offense as doping and there should be a pretty hefty, uh, penalty. So at the moment, and, um, um, uh, what I understand is that they will get, they will have their results. Obviously, they'll be disqualified from the 2022 event and, and be banned from the event for, for two years, which, which I think is way too lenient. Um, so I know that there are, um, yeah, some administrators pushing for much, much harder, um, penalties. Um, in, in actual fact, you know, that would be probably less lenient, less of a punishment than doping. So, so, you know, doping is, is often would have like a three, three year ban and, and things like that. So for, for me, it should be, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely extend that. And I would probably, you know, if it was up to me, um, you know, to ban them from all, all athletics, uh, all athletics events in, 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 in South Africa. Um, 
I think for yeah for green numbers, and unfortunately there are a few green numbers. As I mentioned, green numbers where you've done ten, and there's a lot of prestige and pride in in, in earning a green number. I would, yeah, if I was the Comrades Marathon Association, I would revoke the green number for for cheating as well. You know, for me, I think that would be the biggest punishment. You know, when you you know um, you you've earned that that green number and having it taken away, you know, I think that that would be a punishment that would fit the crime. Um, but but Joel, I think we'll um, you know sort of waiting final clarification of exactly what those um, you know what the the repercussions will be for the for the people who cheated. And I guess the same should go for those that gave their number to somebody else as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, if it was done maliciously. So, I mean, there is a chance that someone's, you know, had their number stolen, I guess, or something like that. I know that there was one person who, who yeah, it was picked up. They didn't run in the number, but, but they actually flagged it. They said, listen, I didn't collect my race pack and I've got a result on the site. So, so, you know, sometimes you just got to investigate, uh, make sure, but yeah. So I don't know how they ended up getting a, getting a race number. Um, and the person said, I don't know this person. And, and they actually self-reported it from what I understand. So I mentioned in my intro, how many marathons you've done, I guess this in itself, getting this article together and the, and all of the research that you had to do, this was kind of like a marathon as well how long did it take you since the race to put this all together um it's difficult to say because i started uh yeah i kind of uh yeah started out and then got it got onto it so uh, it, it does take a while to to write um uh, uh you know it's, it's probably yeah sort of a good couple of weeks of solid work going through um but also is doing part of the overall stats around around comrades at the same time um, but, but yeah, your observation, I would say marathon running is definitely easier than writing articles like this. So, you know, it's just a, a case of one, one foot in front of the other and you, you got refreshment stations, stations along the way, whereas kind of wordsmithing complex articles and uh, trying to uh, throw them all together and fact checking and proofreading. And in fact, when I was reading over the article again yesterday, I spotted a few typos, which I quickly corrected again. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd say marathon running is easier than writing articles like that. When you started out uh, putting this together, I mean, this could have been a lot of research and at the end you could have found, which you clearly didn't, that there was no cheating and then you wouldn't have even had an article. Yeah, and that's, I guess, the kind of nature. Um, I mean, overall, I was doing it as part of the overall comrade stats, so there's always nice stories there, you know, sort of the kind of things I was looking at were people like, you just missed a cutoff. So say like Drummond, which is halfway, and the cutoff there is six hours, ten minutes, so if you just miss it but still finish, that's that's a pretty heroic feat. You know, that's that in my mind is actually, you know, as uh you know, that's uh as laudable as as some of the the, the winners, you know, the, the achievement uh in being able to run the second half of comrades faster than the first and hanging in there and being running against the clock for that period of time is you know is a magnificent achievement. Um, and uh, that was actually how I found one of the cheats. So there are a couple of pe- people who genuinely did that. It's a very, very small amount. So over all the timing mats, I think it's only nine runners who who finished the race, who missed a, who came in a cutoff by less than 10 minutes. And one of the runners, and, and for yeah, that's why I picked it up, would have been the, the slowest person through Drummond, but he still managed to finish. And you know, obviously the other numbers didn't add up and then, you know, dig a bit more and, and then you, you, you found the occurrence of cheating. So, yeah, so I would have still yeah. had a, had an article around the stats, but, but maybe not about the cheating. And what I think people need to remember, there's only one guy that gets faster in the last hour and a half of the race and he's now retired from running and his name was Bruce Fordyce. So, so. <laughs> it's actually it's, funny. It's actually funny yeah. enough. Um, the, the one stat that's happened every single year. Is out of the top, let's just say top 100, particularly in the men's race. So, um, it's, it's happened the last, the last three or four, four events. There's only 
if if you've got two runners who run a negative pace in the second half, it's the runners who finish first and second. So so comrades is really? about pace. Yeah. So it's and you go down. I think this year we went down to something like I think it was about a hundred and fiftieth place runner. The next runner who ran a negative pace in the men's field. The women's is a bit different because it it the um the, the you know just the the nature of the of the of the ladies' race is a bit different to the men's. But but um yeah, it's if there's one uh, in the men's race, it's it's literally the the number one and two will run a negative pace, and after that, everyone else runs uh, runs slower. <laughs> So every time Bruce went past Alan Rob, Rob was getting slower. Bruce wasn't getting faster. Or should we not say that out loud? <laughs> it could be, although I think they they finished one two a couple of times. So they might yes. both have. Uh, yeah, Bruce was definitely a a second half specialist. Used to uh, yeah, I can remember those days watching on on, on TV as a school kid. Um, yeah, watching him slice through the field and uh, yeah, doing doing the the the, the handshake uh, as he as so, he took the knee. So now you've done this. Um, how's the injury that sidelined you to be able to spend all your time doing this? And when will you be back on the road? Or are you back on the road? I'm back on the road. Uh, I managed a 16K run on the weekend, which is my longest uh, since July. So um, I'm hoping to be back marathon running in February, touch, touch wood. So that's my, my plan. If the, body, if the body holds together, I'm still uh, struggling to shed some COVID kilograms. So I'm on a, a no alcohol in the week diet. So extreme measures now to try and uh, drop those kilos to put less wear and tear in the body. So, so all going say, I was going to say, are you less grumpy? But after what you've just told me now, I guess you're more grumpy. <laughs> so it kind of balances each other out. So running, if I, if I don't run, I definitely get grumpy. Um, but uh, so I'm running in the morning. So I'm definitely less grumpy in the mornings because I, I, I can run. Uh, the evenings probably are, are a bit of a different story, yes. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing well so far. So, um, yeah. Stuart, in conclusion, I mean, I've found this interview absolutely fascinating, and I really enjoyed reading the article. Tell us uh, and give our, our podcast listeners an opportunity of where they can read not just this article, but the other articles that you put together, and how they can get uh, to read your blogs. Hey, thanks. So, so it's um, Running Man. That's Man with Two Ends, which is my my surname. Dot uh, Coza. Um, so that's where yeah, I post mainly about running, a little bit about I work in the software industry and in, in Agile. So occasionally I write an article about that, um, or sometimes I combine the two. Um, and then on social media, uh, on, on most of the platforms, my handle is run, running man, once again, man with two ends, and 100, the, the number is 100. Um, so it was really key to chat to people. It's been an, an absolute pleasure, enlightening, well done. Um, I am of the opinion um, that if you murder one person or 50, you're a murderer. So the fact that you only found a few people cheating, they're still cheaters. And we want to have a drug-free and cheat-free uh, environment in everything that we do, especially when, when we want to show our kids and our future runners um, how we should be behaving. Thank you for your time and thank you for joining us on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Absolutely. Thanks so, so much for having me, Dee. So, Stuart, thank you for much, very much. Uh, I am going to not tell a lie and cheat, so I'm going to put my shoes on and go out and have a run. <laughs> I'm going to climb in my car and enjoy the rest of the evening, as I hope you will do. Thank you for joining us this evening on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room, and as always, be nice to each other. Bye-bye.